You may be seated. I am I am either going to rush through this my notes here to finish this up or I'm going to take my time. I don't know which one I'm going to do here. <clears throat> so I still don't know what I'm going to do. I actually <clears throat> I usually get about through three or four pages of notes when I teach, and this is eight pages to finish up. <laughs> so, so I know I will not get finished up, and I hate to, one thing that's really tough for me to do, and that's kind of skip through everything. So I think I will, I will just see what happens here. So <clears throat> repentance, I'll just, I'll just do a quick, really quick, uh, review of this a couple of three points the repentance the meaning on, of repentance is to change one's mind when we're convicted by the spirit and it's brought on by godly sorrow and it includes the decision to forsake all sin and it's a turning towards god that's actually what repentance means and that's what I, that's what i'm going to teach about here and it in first corinthians chapter 15 it tells us the gospel is the death burial and resurrection of Jesus. Romans 6 tells us that our repentance is a spiritual death. And since repentance is a spiritual death, nobody, nobody wants to die, right? So it's a tough, it's really a hard thing to repent. It's a, you know, it's not an easy thing. We can do it. It's, it's possible, but it isn't, it goes against us. We want to live on and so we don't want to die to ourselves. And, and the miracle of repentance is that it doesn't carry the, the atmosphere, the, the uh, sad mood of a funeral, because it's actually a joyful thing if, if we repent. It's, there's power in repentance. There's great, uh, we have great experiences in repentance. And I'm going to teach from Psalms chapter 51 which is the story of, of King David, the, of the nation of Israel, that ends up <clears throat> not going out to war with the army. He ends up um, seeing Bathsheba, ends up calling for her, going and, and committing adultery with her, and it's, uh, she ends up being pregnant. He ends up trying to have his, covering it up by having her, her husband killed, ends up or just having her husband coming back and figuring that he would go and, and uh, think it was his child and, and he didn't. He was, and finally, David had no other option to cover it up but to kill him. And that is the background in the story. And David lusted, he committed adultery, deception, murder, and he taught others to sin by example. <clears throat> So Psalms 51, I'm going, to go, I'm going to read Psalms 51, verses 1 through 13. Have mercy upon me, O God, <clears throat> according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. <clears throat> Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against thee and thee Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in, in iniquity, 
and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desireth truth in the inward parts, <clears throat> and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Verse 7, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be white. I, I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 8, Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from face from my sins and blot out mine iniquities create in me a clean heart O God and renew a right spirit within me cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee deliver me from blood guiltness O God thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. And verse 15, O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. <clears throat> so <clears throat> sin actually seals our lips, right? Has anybody ever noticed that in their life? That <clears throat> our life, our, our lips become sealed, but forgiveness actually opens. When it comes to when it comes to praise and worship, if we if we sin, we become our lips become sealed. If we if we repent, our sins become open. And in, in this verse shows that even true praise is with God's assistance. <clears throat> and sin prevents us from speaking to God and for God. So it it prevents us from praising. It prevents us from witnessing. It prevents us from uh, pray, prayer, praising, and witnessing three things <clears throat> that sin prevents us from doing. Meanwhile, on the other hand, repentance opens those up to us. Psalms 51, 12 through 13 says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. So we will, we will witness when we repent. We will, we will have our lips will be open that we can actually praise and worship God and we can pray to God with a clean heart when we, when we um, repent. And of course, I'm making blanket statements, right? We, we, uh, as you can, there, there are many times in the scriptures, in fact, in, in Proverbs it says, um, I'm trying to think of the proverb, where it says even, even the prayers of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, that's paraphrasing it. So, so we can pray, right? It can, it can pray, but when you're, <clears throat> When you're righteous, righteous, you're right with God, and all of a sudden you sin, like David did in this situation. All of a sudden, it shuts him up from witnessing, praising God, worshiping God, and praying to God. And that—that uh, that was my point with this Psalms 51 verse 15. <clears throat> but, but there is a true worship also, right? There's. In Matthew chapter 15, 8 says, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So like prayer, people, um, wicked people can pray, and it's an abomination to God. And, and like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, and verse 8, that people can, 
they can uh, draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honor, honor me with their lips, but meanwhile, the hearts can be far from them. So the two, two things about this, we can, there can be a disconnect between what we say and what's in our heart, and there can be a disconnect between what we say in our, in our, and our minds during praise, worship, and prayer. We can be, we can, we can be disconnected when we're praying. We can be disconnected when we're praising. We can dis, we can be disconnected in in worship. Our minds can be, and we can be, we can our mouth can be disconnected from our heart, right? And and really, the Bible says that. In fact, Brother Doug uh, said this this morning that uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, right? So we can, so if we have something good in our mouth, something good will, or in our heart, something good will come out. Moving on to Psalms 51 and verse 16. And this is really, the the next couple of verses are really, probably the application of this of this uh, psalm um, you know it's it's easy for me it's easy for me to give you facts give you little insights that God God will show me or I have a <clears throat> I have a vast amount of resources and, and stuff that I've that I've saved to different verses and and I have it electronically, so when I study this, I'll have stuff I can I can pull out that I always, over the years, have have either during prayer in the morning or during reading something that I've that I've picked up and I stuck in there. So I can I can do that, <clears throat> but really the Bible, the Bible isn't really good at application. In fact, brother, I remember brother uh, Poe telling me this years ago he said he said the the bible doesn't really tell you what to do you got to get in there and you got to dig it out of there you can't just go through a a scripture and like going through this verse 16 and 17 i can't i can't i could just read this to you and i could just read it myself but it wouldn't do me any good because I wouldn't know how to apply it to me. How does it, how does it relate to me? What does it really mean for me to apply this to my life? And that's why I, would, I actually was hoping I wouldn't get to this last week because I didn't have all my thoughts in order about this. So, so verse 16, For thou desireth not sacrifice, else would I give it, Thou desireth not in burnt offerings. So <clears throat> this is what David is saying. And of course, it's anointed by the Lord. So we know it's truth. We know, I don't understand how that all happens, but it happens. We know that God's word is truth. <clears throat> we know we can, we can live by his word. <clears throat> but David is saying, For thou, God doesn't desire, desireth not sacrifice, Else would I give it, and thou desireth not in burnt offerings. <clears throat> so I'm going to, first of all, I'm just going to go through, just lay a little bit of groundwork about what he's talking about here, about uh, sacrifice and burst, burnt offerings. So in the Old Testament, that some people, <clears throat> some people actually believe that, that the offerings, 
were added. God, uh, Jesus, or uh, uh, Moses went out onto the mount, and he was given the covenants, the the Ten Commandments, and he came off the mount, and he discovered that they broke the Ten Commandments, and then they had to give them away to cover up for their mistake. He had to give them atonement for their. But I don't, I don't really see that. I I could be wrong, but. But to me, if you read um, Exodus and you read where it happens, it, he comes off the mountain and he, he starts getting into about blood sacrifice before he goes back up again onto the mountain. So it doesn't really fit. To me, it doesn't fit. But it's possible. But these offerings, there were, there were blood offerings and there were offerings of... of, of um, wheat or some kind of grain grain offering so there are these different offerings in the Old Testament there was a burnt offering there was a drink offering a meat offering a peace offering a sin offering a trespass offering a wave offering a free will offering a heave offering so these were different sacrifices that were in the Old Testament in and uh, <clears throat> Jesus or uh, Moses gave these to the to the children of Israel, and so David uses the term sacrifice and burnt offerings is what he uses in in verse sixteen. He's, so some of these burnt some of these offerings that he's using sacrifice and offerings, there some are voluntary, some are that they wouldn't have to give somebody would not have to give it to. God. It was just voluntary. If you want to do it, you can give it. If you, if you don't want to, you don't have to. And it reminds me of Ananias and Sapphira, right? When, when uh, they came to Peter, what did, what did Ananias and Sapphira say? They said um, something about like when, when it, before you gave it, wasn't it your own? So you didn't have to give it. You didn't have to give it, but you did. And then you lied to the Holy Ghost. So, <clears throat> so some are volunteer, voluntary. Um, and maybe this is the point with this, with what David is saying here, sacrifices and burnt offering. He's using the two of them. And some sacrifices required are required for atonement of sin, which everybody is a sinner, right? Everybody sins. Uh, First John tells us, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar, and the truth is not in you. So we understand that some of it is atonement for sin. If you have a, a sin offering, you'd have to do a certain, a certain way. You'd have, they had, the way it was set up is that there was different offerings for different people. If you were, if you, uh, uh, you it would, it might be a lamb for somebody that was just the middle class and then if you were poor it'd be a turtle dove and if you were extremely poor <clears throat> God actually made a provision that you wouldn't even have to you wouldn't even have to offer blood it would be a a grain offering <clears throat> so so there was there were different sacrifices for the atonement of sin but these were a substitution they're a substitution for the person, because if you sin, you have to die. And 
there was a substitute, something had to happen for a substitution for this sin. So they would go and they would lay their hand. I don't remember if it's, is it hand or hands? I can't remember. When they offer their sacrifice and their, their offering would have to be killed. <clears throat> and then, but they're laying the hands on is the, 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 the sacrifice becomes a substitute for them. And the laying on of hands is a transferring of the sins from the, the guilty party to the innocent party. And so a burnt, burnt offering in verse 16 was, was voluntary. It, it was voluntary. <clears throat> and it means, burnt offering means, it actually means to go up to ascend. And it, it says this, in the, mean, in the meaning, uh, it means it's a pleasing, in other words, it's a pleasing odor acceptable to God is what, the, what it is, a burnt offering is. And um, the Hebrew word for offering, if you go into the Hebrew language of the Old Testament, they actually, they use at least two words. And unfortunately, <clears throat> a lot of the stuff that when I get, have to get into some of the research on my lessons now, I would like to be able to pull out books that I would be able to reference. I know which books I'd be able to reference them, and I do. My books are all packed away, so I cannot do that. So I have a lot of this stuff I have to do from memory of studying. So there, there's at least I know there's at least two two words that are translated offering in the King James Bible, and the the most common one means to come near to approach. And it's not an ordinary nearness, but rather one of a close and intimate kind. So that's what offering, not only is offering done for atonement of our sins, but there is an offering that is done to draw close to God. To, to draw close to God. That's what, and David is saying this here. Thou desireth not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou desireth not in burnt offerings. <clears throat> and so... <clears throat> He's saying, he's saying, God, you don't desire these. That's what God is, that's what David is saying here, that you don't desire these. <clears throat> but they're approximately 4,000 years of the Old Testament, and there, was, there were offerings, death, off, there were um, offerings, um, millions and millions and millions of offerings toward, to God. And, and, David is saying you don't desire these, and um, it's he's saying you know is it? I guess my question is is that really what God didn't want? But it really I'm kind of I know what the answer of this is, but it was His plan. It was His plan, and uh, he's David is trying to teach us a point here, a very important point in this verse. <clears throat> And so Jeremiah says in verse six, or chapter six and verse twenty, to what purpose cometh there to me incense from Sheba and the sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet unto me. So Jeremiah is saying, wait a minute, you know, God does does and we'll see this. In the, in the very last verse 19 of this chapter, the very last verse in, in chapter 51, that God will accept offerings. 
He will accept, accept sacrifices. So there's something wrong. There's something wrong with this offering and sacrifice that Jeremiah is saying. And it's because a sacrifice without a heart that's right is unacceptable to God. We can't, he doesn't just accept any kind of sacrifice. And to think that just go, going through the ritual of sacrifice and not having a right heart with God is not right. And so <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 21 through 23 says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, put your burnt offerings, put, which means to put away, to, to get rid of them, put your burnt offerings <clears throat> Unto your sacrifices and eat flesh, for I speak not unto your, for I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. See, here's where here's where people get that from, right? That that God's initial initially was not going to set up an, a, a system of offerings and sacrifices because He said this. Because Jeremiah says this, he says, For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people, and walk in all my ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. So he's saying, Jeremiah, Jeremiah is saying, you know, those 40 years that, you got, that our fathers were wandering in the wilderness, I didn't say anything to them about sacrifice. They weren't sacrificing. They weren't doing that. Uh, what I told them, and there's no reference, there's no cross-reference verse for this. You cannot find a cross-reference verse that he says this in those 40 years of wandering. What, what it is is you have, to, you have to pull it all together from what, what is going on there and so he's saying Jer he's saying I commanded you um, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people and walk ye in all my ways that I have commanded you and that's what so sacrifice sacrifice is not the foundation of the old covenant it is actually obedience that is, what the, that is what the foundation of the Old Covenant is. So <clears throat> to drive this point home, I'm going to read, I'm going to go forward in this lesson a little bit. I'm going to read Psalms 51 in verse 19. And David says, he says, after, after all this, the last verse of Psalms 51, it says, Then shall thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole offerings, then shall, thou, uh, then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. So, so we see that the problem isn't the sacrifice. The problem is the person bringing the sacrifice. So that is the problem that David is pointing out here. <clears throat> and so, so how does that apply to us? How does that apply to us today? You know, we don't, there's no such thing as, as sacrifices, right? We don't do that. That's done away. Jesus, how does the scripture say that? Uh, 
boy, I just lost. Where he, he was a sacrifice once for sin, and then he sat down at the right hand of the, of the Father. I can't remember how that verse actually goes. But it's something like that. That is a paraphrase of that. So, so Jesus was, he sat down. The, the high priest, the priest never sat down, right? Because they were always going to be continually offering a sacrifice. But Jesus sat down. In other words, it's over with. There, does, there doesn't have to be another sacrifice ever happen with a, a blood sacrifice of an animal to take care of our sins, atone for our sins, because Jesus did it once and for all, and he sat down. And so, how does that apply? So, so 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22 is a where Saul is supposed to go, and he is supposed to go and, and destroy the Amalekites. He's supposed to kill everything. He's supposed to kill everything that's breathing with the Amalekites. And, and then he ends up going to war. He ends up not killing everything. He keeps Agag, the, the, the king. He doesn't kill him. And, he do, and, and it says he kept the, the people kept the best of the sheep and oxen and all that. So in other words, they picked through and they killed all the, the, the bad ones, right? They killed all the, anything that was crippled or anything that was scrawny, anything that had defects, whatever. They kept the best, fattest and whatever. I guess I'm not a farmer, I'm not a cattle rancher. I don't know what, what, but they would look at it. They would know, they would understand it. And so when he came, he, he came and Samuel, Samuel came up to him and he said, yeah, I have, I have obeyed the word of the Lord. I've, and, um. Samuel said, well, what's this I hear? I hear, I hear these sheep, and I hear all this, and that's where, where Saul passes the blame onto the people that they kept them. And, and then Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. <clears throat> So, our service to God, you fill in the blanks. Everybody can, you know, we can, we can fill in the blank, you know, is it worship, is it study, prayer, Bible study, teaching, giving. You know, they're, worth it. they're worthless. <clears throat> any kind of our worship, any kind of our, our service to God is worthless without obedience. It's, it's we, we can try covering it. In fact, Saul tried covering his disobedience because he wanted to sacrifice. Let me sacrifice. Let me sacrifice. And let, and, 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 in fact, he said, let me sacrifice in front of all the people. Honor me in front of all the people and let me sacrifice in front of all, all the people. So Saul, the application with us is today is that, that we cannot cover disobedience with anything. Disobedience cannot be covered. In fact, the problem with Psalms 51 in this, in this verse is that, that that is the problem with it, is God doesn't delight in it when we're trying to cover something with sacrifice. Like in the Old Testament, it, it, uh, our disobedience, we can't cover disobedience. Mankind has tried this method. It's, 
I understand it because I'm a, I am fallen mankind. I, I have a fallen nature, and I, I understand how human nature is, how we try covering our, a, a disobedience with other stuff. We think we can, we can earn our way to heaven, but we can't. And so, but Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So there is a right, there is a right way to do it, right? There's a right way to offer a sacrifice. We can, in the Old Testament, there was a right way. Uh, God was looking for a, for a right act, a sacrifice with a people that had a right heart. And here's, in the New Testament, <clears throat> we're a living sacrifice. So we're a, we're a, where a sacrifice is supposed to be dead, but we're a living sacrifice. And we are, we are holy. We're a holy comma, acceptable unto God, comma, and our, it's our reasonable service. It's just our reasonable service. For what God has done for us, that's the least we can do. So that is, a, that is the opposite of, of a offering a sacrifice that is, that is trying to cover disobedience. First, first Peter 2, 5 says, Ye also are lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy and a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifices of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. So meanwhile, in uh, David and and his his predecessor Saul was an example of disobedience and trying to cover it up with with uh, sacrifice, which just it will never work. It will never work. <clears throat> to obey is better than to sacrifice. In verse verse seventeen, <clears throat> so David goes on to say. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. So I, I asked myself a couple of questions here, <clears throat> you know, which are pretty obvious answers. Is this a one time after sinning or is this all the time? Are we supposed to have a, a broken spirit or broken and contrite heart at all times? Are we just, is this something that's just supposed to be after when we come to a place where we sin? Can we, can we have a broken heart and joy at the same time? Can they reside together? If the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, what does this mean? That's really the, that is really the question, isn't it? If this is what God is asking, this is this is what God wants in a sacrifice. If, in the Old Testament, if David was going to go offer a sacrifice, this is the way you're supposed to offer it. What does that mean? So 
I will do my best to try explaining what I believe it means. So some of the key words in this verse are broken, a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. So broken spirit, broken heart. So the word broken, it comes from a Hebrew word meaning to break into pieces to reduce to splinters. That's what uh, broken means. Contrite comes from the Hebrew word meaning to crush or to beat out thin. So it, it means to crush it or to, to pound it until it becomes a thin, like a, um, boy, I just lost the word. Uh, but it, like when you're going to overlay something, so it's really thin, like overlaying the... Um, the altar with brass, or overlaying the um, the uh, ark with gold to beat it thin and just have a thin layer of overlay that goes over. So you would beat it, just beat it to till it just gets thin and thin <clears throat> and um, hard. It comes from the Hebrew word meaning the inner man, the mind, or the will. And spirit, it comes from the Hebrew word meaning breath or wind. And I, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't understand when God tells us and how to, uh, how what's the difference between them and how you would even know what the difference is between, you know, with with a when you're talking a a a broken heart and a broken spirit, you know, to actually what is the difference between the spirit and the heart and how you would even you know, well, is that my heart or is that my spirit? How do you pinpoint something like that? I'll be the first to tell you, I've, I'd like to study that. It's on, one, on my list of things to study, but I have not studied it yet. So, so the battle of the wills. A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart are when we no longer run after things we want. But it, it, it means uh, to have a broken a broken and uh, a broken spirit and broken contrite heart. We don't run after things we want, but sur we surrender things to God. We surrender what we want to God. And D David was running after something that he wanted. Right? He he ran after Bathsheba. That was something he wanted, and it came to the point where David had to surrender what he wanted. What do you want? You know, you have to surrender that. And and ironically, what's ironic about that is when we go after something like that that we want that is really prohibited. It's better. It's better for us if we don't get it. It's better to have what God wants for us than to have what we want for ourselves. And even if it isn't prohibited, even if it's something like as simple as you know something that we want we absolutely want something right we want to do something or we want to we want to god is calling us into the ministry and we want to go and pursue a career right well there's nothing wrong with a career you know everybody needs everybody needs a job right but when god wants something different from us it means what what it means is that we're pursuing after something that God doesn't, God has a better plan for us. And we're pursuing something that God does not have for us. And we want it so bad. And then finally we say, okay, God, 
I surrender, I give up, and we get something that's better than what we wanted. And, and so that's, this is one of the meanings of this that I, I believe, and it, it's no longer my way on my terms. It means, it means making decisions for our life based on God's plan and purpose for our life. Make the decisions based on what God is one. Our job, moving, marriage, friends, time, spending money, clothes. We wear anything. And, and really, it usually is something that is a very valuable to us, right? Something that we don't want to give up. We want it. We want it. And I, I couldn't help when I, when I thought of this and I was, I was typing this up, I couldn't help but think about Brother Walters, about Brother Walters wanting to be a farmer. And he finally decided, okay, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll, get, go and I'll get into the ministry and I'll be a preacher and I'll, I'll give this up. And so it was something like, it, it was very, very valuable. He wanted it. He wanted to be a farmer. But God had something better for him and he gave it up. And I, I know Brother Walters would never, would never say, he, he would say it was the best thing I ever did. God had something better for me. A second, second thing about being have a broken spirit and bro, broken and contrite heart is that, you know, the context of, of Psalms 51 is, is David's, his lost adultery, his deception, his murder and teaching others to sin. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's about sin. And it's being about broken over sin you know what is our what is our attitude towards sin what's our you know and we live in a world that it it the sin the sin in this world is just getting crazier and crazier isn't it it's around us and it's it's trying to it's trying to numb us to sin it's things that you look back and you would you remember you might remember the first time you seen something and it and it shocked you you know you you were out in the public and you seen something and i could i could give you examples and it it was a shock it's like and all of a sudden now it's normal it's not shocking anymore well sin gets that way right we live in this world that you you look and you say, how much further can it go? Where, where is this going? And how can it get worse? But it will. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And, and so what's our attitude towards sin? Is it ex exceedingly ugly? You know, it costs Jesus his life. That's what sin costs. It costs Jesus' life. And, and maybe, maybe we need to get a different view of the cross, right? Maybe that's what we need. And, you know, do we understand, <clears throat> do we understand what it costs? Do, do we even consider what it costs? Our sin cost. You know, brother, I'm going to read this. Brother... Brother Griffin, this is actually out of Brother Griffin's commentary. And he said, this is, he wrote this story down. Apparently he was preaching and somebody or somebody he knows told him this story. And, and the person's name was a, was a lady named Bunny Wilson. And 
it goes like this. Once I asked God to show me an example of a broken spirit, a few days later, my daughter, Christy, who was six years old at the time, walked into the breakfast room. I was preparing a large dinner and was seated at the table picking green beans. She did something that displeased me, and I responded by saying, Christy, I have told you before never to do that. I am very dis disappointed in you. Please don't do it again. <clears throat> I have become accustomed to hearing my children make excuses for their behavior instead of apologizing, but this time was different. Christy stood still for a few moments and then disappeared. When she returned, she handed me a torn yellow sheet of paper. On the paper was written, and he wrote it, D-E-R-M-O-M-Y, Dear Mommy, so it's written in kind of like a six-year-old would write, Dear Mommy, I don't deserve dinner tonight. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Love, Christy. When I looked up and extended my hand to her, she fell into my arms with the most heart-rending heart cry I ever heard. She was crying because she had disappointed me. God spoke to me and said, This is a broken spirit. I began thinking of things I have done that had disappointed God. Sure, I'd always say I'm sorry, but I, but I apologize in a flippered, flippant way as if to say you have to forgive me because you said you would in your word. Right then and there, I understood the haughtiness of my attitude. And as my little girl wept in my arms, I cried unto the Lord for forgiveness myself. Has quite a story about about a broken spirit. I guess it, what can you say? How do we how do we view sin? How is my view of sin? The cost of sin. And David is David is writing this. Second Samuel eleven twenty seven says. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her into his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Displeased the Lord. Do we consider how it affects the person that loves us the most? That our sin... <clears throat> I'm going to finish this little part up. and So I have written down here hard hearts. Sin hardens heart. A hard heart won't, it can't be worked. No impression can be imprinted on it. It, it is fixed. A soft heart is pliable. It can be molded, imprinted, moved, formed in whatever way the maker wants. The hardness of heart and the hardness of rituals go together. <clears throat> Going through the motions. <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not talking about a season, because there's a season of going through motions, right? There's a seasons where we go through stuff and, and uh, we just can't feel God or whatever the situation is. There's those seasons we, we go through. Someone coined the, 
fake it until you make it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about going through the rituals because of the hardness of our hearts. And um, Psalms 51 recognizes the rituals of sacrifice. It shows how mankind can do something for God or even be obedient to God and still not have a right heart. We can, we can go through the rituals of a, and have a hard heart. The ritual of offering sacri sacrifices was not as important to God as a broken and contrite heart. Rituals can become transactional. We can, we can, do, we can have a transactional list, right, on, on, on uh, uh, anything, uh, ritual. We can go through, and again, <clears throat> I want to make the point that, that um, having habits, good habits of reading and doing those things, there's, we have to have that, right? We have, to have, we have to have godly habits. But I'm talking about a ritual with a hard heart. And we can make them, a ritual can be transactional. We can have a checklist and a journal and a planner that we can check our, our little box off on. And you can, you can name whatever it is, but God is, God's in the, he's, he's not, he's not uh, worried about our transactional relationship with him. He's, he's in the transformation business. God wants to transform us, and um, we can do more with him, with him, out of love than we can out of just trying to go through some transaction. Oh, boy. Let's stand. I'm going to have to stop there. I didn't get through that. So let's pray as we're dismissed before the next service. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all your blessings. Lord, we pray that you'd touch your people, strengthen your people today. We pray that you'd have your hand upon the remainder of these, the next service. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. You're dismissed for about 10 minutes in Jesus' name.